I'd like to start in about seven different places this morning, which makes it very, very difficult. Um, but I believe the Lord has something for us, and uh, it's not a good sign when I turn my paper over and I haven't even started yet. Lord Jesus, help us this morning. Speak to us. I was, uh, I was extremely troubled, I guess, this morning. Not, not troubled, but just, you know, having to get ready to share and uh, wake up very early and I'm trying to bring my mind into subjection and then trying to share and it just, you know, like I said, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't cut out for this. But the Lord has some other things in mind. But I thought it was kind of funny because I, you know, I was not, you know, just going through it. And I told, you know, I went up to Christy and she was washing up. I said, you know what, I just, I just want, you know, maybe someone else should just take over and just start preaching, take over the church. And then Christy says, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, why don't you just have somebody just do that for you? And I said, you idiot. <laughs> I said, where's my wife? And I, I reminded, thought of that scripture, there's a scripture in the Bible where, I think it's King Ahab. There's a prophet that would come to King Ahab and just tell him nice things. And he says, no, I want to hear from God. Go get me Elijah, the man that I don't really care for in the flesh. But, you know, she was being in Ellie, you know, pokey like that. And so I just kind of got a kick out of it because, you know, sometimes it's what we need to hear isn't what we need to hear. We need to hear the Lord. God's got, God's got his purpose that he's looking for in our life. In Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to, I read this this morning in, downstairs in uh, Oswald. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, and then I want to take some time. I want to, I'm kind of going a little bit uh, stuttering here a little bit because I want to take some time to develop something that I believe is getting freshened in my mind and not completely there yet, but I believe God has a great truth for us. Well, it's Himself. But I believe He also wants to work in us an understanding a conscious understanding. And I want to, we're going to start to look at some, just the, that God's at work in us. And many times we don't know that He's at work in us, but sometimes we think we do. And there's really, I'm going to just give you the, the, the bottom line, and then we'll move on from there. There's like a conscious serving of God, or a conscious knowing of God. And then there's really the spiritual or the unconscious working of the Holy Spirit in us. And these two, God wants to somehow work together. And as, as we go into that, that will hopefully become more and more clear. But it says in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, uh, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints are. Begin to ask God or seek God to keep the eyes of your spirit opened upon the risen Jesus. And it will be impossible for drudgery to get you down. You know, when we, when we pray that prayer, when Paul prays that prayer, the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. And again, I believe there's a work of the Holy Spirit that goes on in us. You know, it talks about great is the mystery of God. And there's, the, there's a mystery or there's a complete work that Christ has done on the cross that we really can't fully understand. That Jesus 
died for our sins. He's the Son of God. It was God's plan to, to redeem us through His Son. And we now live in Him. The Bible says our lives are hid in Christ with God. It doesn't yet appear who we are or what we are. And there's a complete work in the blood of Jesus Christ for the fulfillment of God's purpose. But there's also a linking together somehow, as the Holy Spirit lives in our lives, of a conscious working together with the Lord. These two things are almost seemingly separate, but God joins them together to fulfill His purpose. To fulfill, the Bible talks about that the whole creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. And our work is to continually be looking to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to be looking at the cross. And the, I'm, I thought it was interesting the words that Oswald used here. You know, ask God to keep your eyes of your spirit open on the risen Christ, and it will be impossible for drudgery to get you down. Most of the things that wear us down are not the big things. It's the daily grind, or the daily ungrind. The daily everything's the same. And even Peter, in the book of Peter, says that's what's going to happen in the end times. People are just going to say, oh, it's been the same, nothing's changing, where's God? Every day we keep hearing the same thing week after week, year after year. They've been saying, well, what were they starting to look at? Well, con- with our conscious or our soul and w- with our mind, we start to look at some other things. And again, this this goes back to the original sin, at least of man, that Eve and Adam begin to take their eyes off the Lord and begin to look at some other things. They begin to look at the fruit and they begin to reason. Now, God hasn't changed. God didn't change even when man sinned. God doesn't change when we fall away. God doesn't change when we don't fulfill His purpose. But it's His desire to draw us by His Spirit, by the miracle and the salvation that He's wrought. He wants us to draw us back, our souls back, so that we will be co-laborers together with Him. Even though our laboring does not produce righteousness, even though our labor doesn't like get us any points with God, there is a blending that not only what Christ has done in me would glorify God, but that with my soul and with my mind, with my words, with my very life, I too, to the best of our ability, will glorify God. Because if not, we would just be like Paul and had to address this. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry. Let's just continue in sin because the work of God is done. And this is a battle that we go through. But the, the, very, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, though He was a Son, the fullness of the Spirit of God, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. Yet, though that fullness dwelt in Him, as the Holy Spirit dwells in us, it said that Jesus learned obedience through the things that He suffered. The things that He suffered and the obedience had nothing to do with who He was, but it was God's purpose that Jesus fulfilled that brought Him into suffering. See, the suffering that Jesus tasted of was different than any other man. The suffering, you know, there's people who suffer. And I, I mean, I never really suffered until I came to Jesus. Even though I would look and I would say my life was harder, I enjoyed it. Because there was no suffering or breaking of the will. There was no retaining of God in my consciousness. I had seared my mind and conscience to where I no longer had to be troubled. 
So anything I did was of my own desire. But the, the suffering that Paul talks about, of making up the sufferings that are yet lacking in the body of Christ, is not the suffering of, you know, you're going to lose a job. Now those things may have some points on it, or you get beat up, or this. It's the suffering of being a son and learning obedience through the things that we suffer. Why? Not for salvation, but to be co-heirs together with God. And in our conscience, or our soul state, or in the things pertaining to this life, we would be fulfilling, or the Holy Spirit in us would be filling God's purpose, so that we'd say the whole creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's not groaning for salvation only. It's not groaning just that Jesus would be Jesus and He came. It's, It's groaning that we would become partners, transactors with God, not only in the mystic or the spiritual or the unconscious realm, but together we go through the suffering of Jesus that God is going to be honored in our lives. And the way we need to do that is continually be looking at Him instead of becoming distracted. And that's, that's a lot of the suffering that goes on. Because there's a lot of good distractions out there. I mean, the devil came to Jesus and said, Hey, turn these stones into bread because the Bible says you can. There was a suffering that went on. The 40 days was suffering. But said after that he was hungered. Then he was tempted. And when, you know, you're hungry and you have the power and you can. How many of you will ever go through that? You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And that's, you know, not saying it's necessarily bad. See, but Jesus, when he came to earth, you know what he didn't do? He didn't build a Noah's Ark. He didn't build a Jesus ark. He didn't wander in the desert. He didn't kill a Goliath. He had a specific work that God had called him to. And the Bible says, The calling wherewith you are called, therefore remain. And in that, by faith, continue to serve God in the calling we've been called to. So there is a salvation that God has done completely in us. And we need to be looking to that. But now He has placed His Son, the Holy Spirit, in us that we, together with Him, would be doing a specific work that honors God, glorifies God, and brings me into a suffering That's not just like, oh man, we're just suffering. It's the molding or the forming of Christ in us, in this earth. So when Jesus was here, He learned obedience through the things that He suffered. And He grew in wisdom and stature before God and man. And again, these were things like, wow, they they really only have to do or apparently have to do with this life. And this is where the Bible speaks to us because we're here. We're here and God seems to have us engaged with a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. You know, you have children. You have a job. You have finances. You have marriage. You have church. You have all these things that most of them very clearly are going to be done away with in heaven. There's not going to be any marriage in heaven. Who said, oh boy. There's not going to be a lot of... There's not going to be any tears or suffering apparently in heaven. There's not going to be any crying or pain. But in this world, there is. And so there's a, there's a process or a purpose that God is working that we need not to be foreign to, not to be ignorant of, but we need to enter into as our calling and our ministry. 
Because without a calling, without a vision, the Bible says, we cast off restraint. And Jesus could have said, well, I think I'll serve God, I'll build an ark. Because that's, I mean, that's in the Bible. He should, that's why the devil came to him with the Bible. Turn these stones into bread. You're well able. See, but even the Bible says in Galatians, even though we're sons and heirs of all things, we yet are not able to get the complete inheritance. So we're under tutors and governors until the appointed time. Jesus was under tutors and governors till the appointed time of His resurrection. There was a plan and a purpose that God had to work and was working in Him that we also need to grab hold of and allow God to be who He is and do what He's going to do. But there is something that God has asked us to do. And that's the conscious part of serving God, which is totally imperfect. It's totally imperfect. And so it seems that that's God's purpose. So we need to continually keep our eyes on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, lest we might grow weary in our minds and think nothing is happening. And the reason we may not think anything is happening is because we're not willing to gird ourselves with the towel and put on the suffering and allow Christ and God to say, this is what I have you to do. Peter, you could go fishing and you could be saved and you could know me. But that's not my call for you. And so P- Peter, even though say whatever, there was a part in his mind that to the best that he could, he would say, yes, I do that. There's got to be some laboring together, transacting with God in our soulish realm. And that's what I believe the Bible specifically is speaking to the church on a, on a great basis. And it's really what we should be engaged in is in doing the work that God has called us to do. Now, turn our Bibles to um, let's turn our Bibles to Second Corinthians five. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Christ entering into our lives, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the suffering on the cross, the bloodshed has created in us a new creature, the Bible says. And it's as that new creature we should be walking, living, acting, interacting in this world. The Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency may be of God and not of man. 